Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, and Manchester United, really bad-looking home losses for both of them this weekend. Well, uh, indeed, and in fact, we're, that's going to be the topic of a lot of our conversation today. We're going to look at the problems, and there are three clubs, I think, right now, or maybe even four, and I know we're only three games into the season, but I think we have to look uh, at uh, Manchester United, we have to look at Tottenham, we certainly have to look at uh, Watford and um, uh, Everton, Kartik, because uh, I think we're not seeing what we thought we would see from these clubs. You know, Everton uh, integrating a lot of new players and, and, and I think uh, uh, guys that they've spent a lot of money on. And just it seems like the same old Everton. Nothing ever changes uh, with them. And, and the, the real concern has to be now, will Marco Silva get time? to bet in all these players and get it working right. They've got a lot of players on the books now, and I don't know what combination he wants to play, particularly in the attacking end, uh, but it just doesn't look right. Well, and there are a number of players we really haven't seen that much of so far. We're only three games in. It's not like you have to pull the yeah. alarm bells. I, I would say if there's any if there's any club that's likely to be pulling uh, emergency alarm bells right now, it's Watford and uh, – uh, Javi Garcia, we need to talk about his future and uh, if that looks solid or not. Look, we're with you every day during the week, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here on these networks. We talk the beautiful game. We'd love for you to chat with us, 800-878-7529. That's 800-878-PLAY. Look, the call is free. Don't be a cheap bastard. Pick up, let your fingers do the dialing, and if you really want to stick it to the man, hey, the network's paying for the call, so just think about it. It's your chance to get even. And get one for the little guy, 800-878-7529. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at Fifth Street Sports. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're at facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. I'd like to say hi to Kerry, who I know is listening to the show, and also to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. Uh, what a pleasure it is to speak with you guys as we do each and every weeknight. We're also on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and the award-winning SiriusXM app. Basically, we're everywhere. You can't escape us. We're coming for you. But first, we have to take a break. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. That was very quick again. I apologize for that. Didn't get a chance to hear beautiful Gary Newman fading off into the distance, but, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, welcome back to the show, Fifth Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. We're talking Premier League, uh, some big upsets, I would say, during the week. Let, Kartik, let's start with Manchester United because, um, you know, you and I have been saying all along that this team isn't bad. It's just going to be inconsistent. It's got a lot of young players trying to bet a new system, a new manager. Um I will say this. I thought that was a shocking loss at home to Crystal Palace. A team that up till that had scored, what, no goals? Yeah. Although I have to say, for me, uh, a big part of Palace's success in this match was how well uh, Wilfred Zaha played. And uh, doing little things, even off the ball, that I thought were very, very useful and, and uh, tracking back, uh, doing the sorts of things we don't always see him do. And he actually picked up a yellow card for uh, what was, I thought, a decent challenge. But uh, but 
you know, defensively. So he, he played well. And then Roy Hodgson made two very interesting substitutions, bringing both Andres Townsend and Christian Benteke on with a one-goal lead, something you wouldn't expect. You would think they would pack it in. He'd be throwing defenders on. And uh, Benteke held the ball up well. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Townsend adds a little bit of you know sp uh, spark uh, out wide. United equalized, but then uh, they had, uh, with Van Aanholt, who's the best-scoring fullback in, in English football, over the course of the last uh, four or five seasons, a guy that um, that that can always pop up on those overlapping runs. Zaha set him up perfectly after Pogba gave the ball away, and they won. So I, I don't. I, it was an alarming loss for Manchester United, but I don't think it was. Um, I don't think they played terribly in the match, and I'm not as alarmed by it as we are. I am by. We're going to talk about Spurs in a few minutes. By that, that that was just stunning. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to agree with you. Um... You know, it is a culture shift and a settle a settling now, I think. You know, United, I think, are finally over the Fergie transition nightmare. I think they've got a manager. Uh, they've obviously committed to Solskjaer, uh, and they're going to give him the time he needs, one would think. The players they've got, they're generally quite young. They're trying to get rid of some of the uh, some of the dead weight around that club. Uh, and move on. Uh, you know, for me, the disappointment was uh, people like Harry Maguire and Wamba Saka. I mean, you know, these are m players they spent some really big money on, and I just didn't see them really contributing, and certainly not keeping the goals out. Yeah, uh, Maguire had a had a really poor match. Wamba uh, Saka wasn't much better, so that was uh, disappointing. I thought Daniel James, so the other new signing, had a goal. Yeah, uh, he looked good. The thing I would be worried about with James is that it seems like he's gaining a reputation for diving already uh early in his premier league uh tenure three matches in so is it uh, we fair, saw him though, get booked for simulation I mean, do you think it's fair I, i'm not sure that it's fair i'm not sure no i don't think it's fair but he's gained that reputation you know how officials once you get that reputation uh they think twice if they see a foul on you uh so that's something i would be concerned about if i'm a united fan but yeah the two defenders that they signed did not play particularly well but I still think on the whole, United are probably a better team than last year, uh, with the exception of not having Lukaku, who we saw score a nice goal today uh, for Inter in, in his first match in Serie A, and a player that against um, these sort this sort of competition was was uh, lightning in a bottle. Look, right, true. we have heard time and again, Nick, about Lukaku, that he's a flat track bully, right? He always scores goals against Crystal Palace and Newcastle and Stoke and and those sorts of clubs, Watford, etc. Well, you you need some of that, okay? Well, if he's not getting the goals honest, against Gothic. Arsenal or Man City, uh, you still need a guy who's going to score 15 well, goals on, against lesser teams at the table. Well, yeah, but I mean, a win against Crystal Palace is three points. A win against Watford is three points, and a win Correct. against Man City is three points. I mean, yeah. you know, those are the teams. Look, at the, at, at the end of the season, you're going to look back and say, well, you know, I dropped points to maybe the top three teams, but I took points off everyone else. You're going to find yourself in the top four challenging. Correct. You have to take points off those teams. You cannot drop points to teams like Crystal Palace. You cannot drop points uh, to teams like Newcastle. Uh, you cannot drop points to, you know, to, uh, to teams like... Uh, um, you know, Sheffield United that you should be beating. I mean, at the end of the day, 
you have to win. You have to take those points because the chances are not good that you're going to take points against Liverpool and Man United. And, and right now, early, uh, Man City, excuse me, right now, early in the season, Kartik, it is looking like it is a two-horse race again. Yeah, and it was very disappointing, I think, very disheartening for the rest of the league to see. Uh, and, and you could criticize Unai Emery's tactics, that he was too defensive, he was too tentative, he didn't start Lacazette. Uh, he brings on Torreira, who ends up getting a goal, but he brings on a defensive midfielder in the 70th minute. However, um, you know, if you have a go at Liverpool, you're probably going to concede five or six goals. So I think Emery's tactic was uh, to keep it tidy in the first half, which they did, try and nick a goal on the counter, which they almost did, and when they didn't, uh, they rightly got beat. It, it looks like it's a two-horse race again. You know, I, I was naive enough to think that Spurs – could be part of this conversation uh, with uh, Liverpool and Manchester City this season. But they are, uh, even though they drew Man City, we saw how uh, dominated they were in that match, right? 30 shots to three. Yeah. And uh, this weekend, just uh, what an appalling performance. Let's not forget how bad they were for 70 minutes or so against Aston Villa, too, in the opener, uh, that they got very fortunate in that match. Yeah. I mean, at this point, they could be a team with, with, with zero, no or zero points. That's how poorly they played. Well, I don't want to focus in on Tottenham this segment because we've got a whole other okay. segment. I want to look at Spurs pretty much exclusively. <laughs> Excuse me. But, you know, um, uh, we're back to Man United for a minute. Uh, yeah, I don't think like, – and it ha- pains me to say it. I um, I was talking to my son the other day about right after that. I said, you know, United lost and it was a shocking result at home against Crystal Palace and their results haven't been great. But, you know, I look at this squad and they've got a lot of young players. They've got a manager that I think is pretty capable actually – and um, I think it's just a matter of time. They're just another one, another well-funded club that's in a rebuilding mode. I think they'll be all right. My son looks at me and says, Dad, you and I hate those bastards. Why do we even care? Don't we enjoy every minute of their suffering? And I thought, you know, he's probably right. I do. I do actually enjoy every minute of the suffering of Manchester United and of their fans. However, having been a Liverpool supporter for decades and having seen this team go through you know, the nightmare of uh, of uh, Hicks and Gillette and, uh, you know, Penn and Teller and all, all the other questionable uh, ownership and problems that this club have had. Uh, you know, I've been in that position as well, and it, it's not nice. It's not a comfortable feeling, uh, and it is, it is it's not happy times. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of relishing in it because can't stand the bastards. And, uh, you know, they had all the luck under Fergie. They had all that Fergie time. They had every decision going their way. They had the perfect storm of uh, financial turmoil in many of the other clubs in the league, and they got to bully the league as the big boy for so, for almost a decade and a half. Uh, that is over. That is not going to happen anymore. Uh, I think you're seeing the new bullies on the block are going to be Liverpool and Manchester City. Right now, Liverpool top of the table, City second. But you know, if you look at the rest, the best of the rest, Kartik, it's really, it's kind of a coin flip at this point. I'm not seeing anyone that's really, really standing out as just like a superb team that I can guarantee is going to be in third or fourth spot. Yeah. Well, I have to mention Manchester United. It's very instructive to look at Liverpool's history since uh, your son mentioned this. The soonest era and the era right after 1990, right after Kenny yep. Dagley stepped down as, as right. manager, uh, and, and going right through Evans and, 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 and uh, 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 Julier is really what United is going through now. After an era of Liverpool dominance, and Liverpool dominated not only English football, but European football right. until Heisel, uh, that they uh, – slipped 
to a club that was struggling to finish in, in, in European spots. And that is where United is now. So I actually think the Liverpool comparison, uh, you know, we, we, can, we can cheer as fans uh, on our, our clubs. But I think that, that it's really instructive to look at Liverpool in the 90s and compare it to United now. A very similar fall. Yeah, although I will say this, Liverpool managed to string together, uh, you know, a Champions League and a Europa League, uh, or that time was the UEFA Cup, a couple yeah. of FA Cups during that time of uh, where there was no league success. But uh, still no league success in fairness, but I do think this season that is going to change. All right, uh, Fistry Soccer, Nick and Kartik, you can argue with me about that when we come back, Kartik, but we will be back right after the break. You're clear. Welcome back. Nick and Kartik with you. We're talking about the Premier League. I know if you're tuning to Dan Patrick Sports saying, hey, I want to talk about week four of NFL preseason football, the week where they don't play any starters whatsoever. Well, you know, you're in the wrong place, folks. Uh, uh, maybe you need to tune in later or early. In fact, coming right up after this, I think, don't we have Sports Overnight America? The great Ron Barr. I'm sure Ron will be talking about that for you. But we talk the beautiful game. We do it weeknights right here. Uh, if you want to talk about the real football, uh, we are all ready for you, and to, we are prepared to do that. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Man United. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Chelsea uh, while we can, Kartik. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Christian Pulisic and 11 other players on the field, uh, also oh, a.k.a. Chelsea. I am getting really fed up with this coverage, by the way. Uh, it's nice to see an American ply his trade in Europe with one of the big clubs. And don't get me wrong, Chelsea are a big club, no matter whether they are currently in a bit of a slump or not. But, you know, he is uh, really bearing the enormous weight of expectation of the entire soccer public here in the United States. All that enormous weight has fallen on his, uh, shall we say, rather narrow shoulders. Yeah, and quite, quite honestly, it's not fair to him. No, uh, the expectation is completely unrealistic. And I don't know how many times I've said this on this show and on other shows that I've been on talking about him. He did not have a very good final season at, uh, at Dortmund last year. He was in and out of the team. There were many matches where he was either an unused substitute or he came on in the 88th minute after Jaden Sancho and, uh, and, uh, and others had done damage. Uh, to uh, to the opposition, so um, or Dortmund was chasing a late late goal. To then expect him to move into the Chelsea team. Now, granted, Chelsea are on a under a transfer ban. They're not in the situation Dortmund is, where Dortmund bought Julian Brandt uh, and Thorgan Hazard this this summer and have upgraded the, the, in wide areas uh, over Pulisic. So he is going to play because they're under a transfer ban. They weren't able to buy uh, comparable players, uh, and the 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 one guy he would really compete with, I think, to be in the starting. 11, Callum Hudson-Odoi, is injured uh, and had a, a serious long-term injury that, that he'll be back uh, in a month or two. But uh, this ex level of expectation placed on this kid's shoulders is, um, is ridiculous, and I guess it's a way that NBC can dr drive ratings and drive conversation. It's quite bizarre to me, Nick, because since NBC got the Premier League, they have, in fact, even to the, uh, not only not you know, emphasized American players. They've de-emphasized American players. DeAndre Yedlin has started a ton of Premier League matches since uh, 
uh, since NBC gained uh, their Premier League rights. He's been at Spurs. He's been at Sunderland. He's been at Newcastle. He's generally been a starter for those latter two clubs when fit. They don't talk about him like like they would talk about any uh, like they would talk about. Uh, uh, well, uh, they don't uh, talk about him any differently than they talk about other players, yeah, right? But, well, Same hold on, thing. Kartik, but but, but sure. part of that is, if you look at the type of player that, by the way, DeAndre Yedlin to me is a quality journeyman player in the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah. not a superstar. He's not going to burn up any stats sheets or you know make too many people's fantasy teams or any of the above. He is out there getting paid a lot of money and doing good solid work and doing what he needs to work. But he is not a superstar. If you look at the Americans that have played and that have got the media attention, the media is desperate for a Clint Dempsey. The media is is yeah. desperate for a Brian McBride. The media is desperate for a Brad Friedel. Somebody, you know, who is going to have a big role at a big club and make a big statement. And it is the weight of expectation is as you pointed out unfair. Uh, the Premier League today is a much more competitive league uh, internally amongst the players uh, than it was even during the days of Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey and uh, uh, you know even Landon Donovan when he played. Uh, it was for Everton, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the media is waiting for somebody to pick up the mantle and become that great leader. I mean, um, who was it who was uh, captain of... Um, uh, of Rangers, uh, the American. Uh, Claudia Reyna. It was Claudia Reyna, excuse me. Claudia Reyna is the other guy. I mean, that's what they're looking for. An American that's going to be the guy, capital T, capital G, the standout this guy. This guy has and, a long way to go to agreed. match Clint Dempsey's level of accomplishment in agreed. England. Uh, remember the goal Dempsey scored for Fulham against for, Juventus sure. in the Europa League, uh, whatever it was, quarterfinals, semifinals? I don't know that an American will ever score a goal that good, that that's that important against that kind of opponent ever again. Um, it's way too numbers, long way to go, but we, but we already hear, hear these people telling me that, oh, well, Pulisic is, is better than Dempsey was. He's better than McBride was, which is bunk, complete bunk. And as I said, they've never promoted. Uh, and again, I guess you're right. When I think about the guys that have been in the Premier League since NBC has had the rights, it's been all defenders. Jeff Cameron. Uh, DeAndre Yedlin, Matt Miazga made a couple starts for yeah. Chelsea when he first got there. Uh, Timmy Ream uh, has been uh, is a defender. So, yeah, maybe it's because they have we haven't had a prominent American attacking player for a long time. But Yedlin, as you mentioned, is a journeyman, the type of player that you know pops up on the Newcastles and the Sunderland quality and the player. Of the world. Quality but that's player. a quality player. Yeah, that's still to me more than what we've seen from Pulisic thus far. Now Pulisic, the sky's the limit, but um, Yedlin has hung around in this league for about five or six seasons now, which is a pretty long time given the track record of American players in Europe. Yeah, and look, I'm not down on Christian Pulisic, don't get me wrong. I, I, and I'm certainly not sitting here wanting him to fail because I absolutely want him to succeed in the yeah, biggest possible way. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, he's out there doing the best he can uh, at Chelsea. He, it, was a, uh, it was a big money move. He's got a lot of pressure on him for the dollars that he moved there for 70 million if i'm not mistaken uh you yep. know he was um uh, i wouldn't say a bit player in germany but he had he was uh, he was a um a player on the out rather than a player on the in he I was think. what i would call a role player at dortmund well, okay he wasn't uh, a bit player but he wasn't a he, prominent player he, either. Also, he was a role player he also wasn't there. a particularly in favor player 
And no, that's, that's one correct, of the reasons correct. that he that he was moved. So, you know, he's got a lot of talent. He could succeed at the highest level. But, you know, he's he's got a lot of the weight of expectation, both with his club and with his nation. Both the national team are looking at him. And, of course, the networks here, NBC, looking, waiting for him to sort of blow up into this global superstar. Uh, you know, if the kid does it, by the way, my hat's off to him because he's done it with the most insurmountable amount of pressure on him. Uh, but I, I just think that, you know, we're expecting miracles from a guy, and, and, and I don't think we should be. We should be expecting and hoping for good, measured growth as he grows into the team, grows into the league, and, and let him find his, uh, you know, let him find his limits. Let him find uh, his, his, uh, his growth on his own without pushing him for it, because that's only going to set him up for, for, for failure. Hello, Freddie Adu. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to go there. Uh, you just did. But I've heard, I've had people quietly tell me in the last couple of weeks, this is reminding them of the Adu thing uh, in a bad way. And I, when I pointed out Adu was 14, 15, 16 when we were doing yeah. this, doing Pulisic has already accomplished that he was able to stay in the Dortmund team for a little bit. Obviously, we mentioned last season he was basically out of the team, but has played in Champions League matches, has scored in Champions League matches, uh, and played for his. You know whether it was a big part role of being a role player, he was on a team that finished second in the Bundesliga last year, uh, which is pretty, which is an accomplishment. That's to the level Freddie Adu never accomplished. However, the hype now is resembling Adu, and we remember what that did to Adu. And those aren't the only guys we've done it to. We've done it to guys like Bobby Convy and Santino yeah, Caranta, yeah. and even Josie Altador to 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 a certain extent. And generally, these players, these American players that get hyped never meet expectations. Well, I will say this, though. I, I think to the plus common column of Christian Pulisic, I mean, he comes from an extremely grounded family. He's come up through, you know, youth, uh, the youth system from a very early age. Uh, you know, he spent time in Germany. He's very familiar with the system and how it works. I don't think he's a victim by any stretch of the imagination as I did Freddie Adu. I just think everyone needs to back off and let this kid grow into his full potential because I think he has quite a lot of it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's technically uh, on the ball his touch one of the best american players if not the best i've seen uh, where he still needs to work is he gives the ball away an awful lot and out of possession he is really bad with his sense of positioning that stuff comes with time he's 20 uh, or he's uh, and he's about to turn 21 next month but uh let's not blow things out of proportion if he doesn't succeed i think part of it has to do with all this hype and uh and nonsense coming from uh, yeah. from the public and from uh, people like NBC who are looking to make a quick buck. Well, I'm actually going to go out on a limb. Uh, I actually Carty, think he is going to succeed. I don't, I don't know that he's going to become the next Rayner McBride or, or Dempsey, but um, I think he's going to do well. Uh, whether he does it at Chelsea or, or ultimately moves on to another club, uh, I think he will do well because I think he is focused and grounded, and I think that's his background. And ultimately, yep. that's what you need to succeed. So I'm optimistic about it, but you know, I'm not expecting Maradona tomorrow. Uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll see the Maradona documentary October 1st on HBO long before I'll ever see Pulisic do anything Maradona-like. Trust me about that. Uh, so let's just back off and give him the time. Look, uh, we've got about a minute left. When we come back, we've got a lot of topics to talk about, Carter. We've got to talk about Watford. Uh, and I have, I, by the way, have um, my own theory about what's going on at Watford. And I'll tell you when we come back, I'd love to get your take on my theory. Uh, we have to talk about Everton. 
we have to. I want to talk a bit about Wolves and West Ham, but most importantly, we got to talk about the big, big trouble at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where Mauricio Pochettino looks like a really, really unhappy camper, and I'm not sure what's going on there. But there are some inherent systemic chemistry problems at that club right now. And again, I want to look back at the last ten games of last season, Kartik. We'll do that during the break, and let's see. Uh, how things are looking. All right, this is Fist Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. 800-878-PLAY. Find us on Twitter at Fist Street Sports. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fist Street Sports Talk. Uh, we're going to take a break. Be right back in three minutes. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. Fistry Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. We're with you 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday on these very networks. We hope you'll make us a regular part of your week. Uh, Kartik, before the break, we were mentioning Spurs. We just started to touch on Tottenham Hotspur and the problems that seem to be manifesting themselves with their manager, Mauricio Pochettino, and the chemistry of the team. But I don't know, Kartik, why we are so surprised because if you look back going to last season, and this is just an extension of last season, the last 13 games, Spurs have won two. They've lost to teams like Brighton, Southampton, um, West Ham, Burnley. I mean, there's quite a list of teams that Tottenham have dropped points to. Uh, I guess we can now add Newcastle United to that list. Um, we put it down last season to the focus on the Champions League. Oh, you know, the the incredible run in the Champions League and this unbelievable match against, uh, who was it they came back on? Was it PSG? Uh, no, it was, it was Ajax. Uh, Ajax, excuse me, Ajax. Man United with PSG. Uh, you know, this, this unbelievable, uh, you know, uh, comeback against Ajax and all their focus was on the Champions League and, but, you know, 13 games uh, between the end of last season, 13 games in a row, 13 Premier League games in a row and two wins is relegation stuff. That's the stuff teams are relegated on. Now, I'm not suggesting Spurs are anywhere near relegation. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is that there are some serious, serious problems here. Of course, we mentioned last season they hadn't, uh, you know, bought any players in the window at all. Uh, but this season they have, and it just seems like there's some real systemic problems. What do you think's going on there, Kartik? Yeah, there are some real systemic problems. I'll add to uh, the conversation about last uh, uh, last season in that uh, they are the only team that has lost uh, uh, to Bournemouth at the Vitality in the Premier League, I think, since March. Uh, so wow. uh, Bournemouth are having a, a torrid run at home. Uh, could not even beat Sheffield United in their first match up uh, at the Vitality, but their one win was against Spurs in that period. Spurs also uh, were outplayed badly in the two legs against Ajax. They were just very fortunate. Ajax, not clinical, missing all kinds of chances, uh, but really played off the pitch, uh, particularly in the first leg at White Hart, or at uh, uh, whatever they call the stadium now, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And uh, they... Uh, they, they, they once again uh, failed in, in the in the domestic cup competitions last season, which is another place where they could have gotten silverware. There is something not right in the dressing room. It looks like Vertonghen, Aurier, and Erickson might all have, and Danny Rose um, may all have issues. 
with um, with Pochettino's management or something going on at the club. Uh, guys have agitated for for, for bigger moves. Uh, I thought it was quite odd um, to uh, sell uh, Kieran Trippier, who started well at at uh, at, at Letty, uh, for uh, when you don't have a natural built-in right back replacement. Uh, well, you have Kyle Walker Peters, but I don't think he's ready to start for a top four club in the Premier League. And uh, you had Juan Foyt, who's not right back, who's now injured also. So, <sighs> yeah, uh, Odamale uh, is injured now. Uh, there's some, some reason Lucas Mora has, in spite of scoring all those goals against uh, Ajax, to get them to the Champions League final has not gained the confidence of his manager. There's just something not right there. Uh, Deli Ali has never regained his form. He, he's hurt now, but he has not been the same player over the last year and a half. Honestly, not uh, since the World it, Cup. Yeah, yeah. That, that I was thinking since the World Cup, right? Um, maybe it's time to freshen it up. Maybe at some point Pochettino moves on. Uh, there, I, I think this time, if the United job comes open, which it's bound to at some point, he might just take it. Why do they want him? United? Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, Pochettino. But let's see. Pochettino couldn't get Spurs over the hump. They still are Spurs, uh, Nick. Think about the kind of side he inherited. And he's been able – they finished in the top four or four straight seasons, which for a club like Tottenham, given their resources versus the other uh, five clubs in the top six, is still pretty remarkable. He's been able to develop some young players – uh, like uh, the the Eric Dyers and the Deli Ali, some English young players, and Harry Kane into uh, legitimate international stars. So that is a good fit for Manchester United. But for whatever reason, when Alex Ferguson uh, reportedly met with Pochettino to feel him out for the job in the past, Pochettino has said he's happy at Tottenham. He likes living in London, which is – that's something Spurs has going for it, right, always. Um, but – I just think this time, I think now things have kind of run its course. He's done about as much as he can with them. Um, And they're not the type of club necessarily where you can. Oh, I think uh, Kartik's thought there got vaporized into the ether. It's an interesting discussion, though, the discussion about Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, I have to look back, though, and think that maybe, uh, just maybe, the right move would have been for Pochettino to resign or to to leave Spurs uh, after the Champions League final because it's not like they're going to win the league. It's highly unlikely they're going to get back to another final anytime soon. So you have to wonder... Everything he does from that point onwards is going to be uh, a disappointment. So I'm surprised that he didn't move on. I know he had mentioned that if he didn't, uh, that if they won the Champions League, he was going to move on. Uh, But he didn't do that uh, because obviously they didn't win the Champions League. Uh, So it is interesting. But if you look back, I mean, that's what, 13 games with two wins since last season. That is not, those are not good results. And yes, he's developed great players, but you know a lot of them have have been maybe have have they been flash in the pan players? We, um, have, we have Kartik back with us, but Kartik, while you were figuring out how to swim through the matrix and come back, 
Um, I, I was mentioning that in some respects, Pochettino, who had said he would resign if he would leave uh, if they won the Champions League, should have left after that Champions League final because where do you go with this club from there? You know Daniel Levy's not going to make the investment he needs for you to win the Premier League. It's highly right. unlikely you're ever going to get back into another Champions League final. So what, are you going to be fighting for top four and hoping to win the North London derby? Which, by the way, is next weekend. Uh, but I just, I just think it was a bad move. I think that was the time for him to move on while his reputation was still intact. But if they continue to have a slump in the league, and as we mentioned, their next match is the North London Nut Derby, and you are wrong if you think Unai Emery and, Ta- and Mauricio Pochettino are not under pressure at this point. Uh, that's a, almost a must-win for either one of these teams. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's a must-win for Arsenal. Um, they they lost at Anfield. Okay, everyone's going to lose at Anfield this season. Uh, they didn't give it a go, which I think a lot of us fault Emery for. But, but his tactics uh, were crap. Yeah, but again, they didn't give it a go. Okay, so either well, you give it Spurs. a go. Get back to Spurs. Get back to Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off topic. Uh, I, I don't think Emery's under the kind of pressure Pochettino might be under, is my point, uh, going into this match. I mean, he is under pressure, don't get me wrong. But Pochettino, this is getting – you talk about last season also, the way it ended – taking the Champions League out of it. And they were very fortunate in the Champions League to get as far as they did. They were they were clearly outplayed by Ajax over those two legs. Um, they're nearing crisis point. You've got players who are sulking. You have players who are wannaways. Erickson comes out of the media and says, I'm looking for a bigger challenge. You have a coach that, did, that said prior to that Champions League final, he would quit if they won. You have a guy, uh, and that same coach who you know, because it's been reported, Alex Ferguson, uh, Sir Alex sought out for the Manchester United job. He said no, but why wouldn't he say no this time? Especially after they brought in Maguire and Juan Bissaka. Uh, I, I just think that, uh, and then Levy, um, I know he, he's, he actually lives, he actually has a house near, near me here in Fort Lauderdale area, Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. He's actually, he and Joe Lewis, the, the other, the guy who has the money behind Spurs, they're involved in some real estate deals here in Florida. And I don't know if that ties up uh, the, the money, why Spurs aren't spending. We were told when they moved to a new stadium, they would have much freer reign, much more of an ability to spend. Nick, I think their move to a new stadium may not be that different than Arsenal's move to the yeah. Emirates. It's, Remember it's, when they left Highbury? The, 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 the other point, though, is if you take the last 10 games of last season, add it to the first three games of this season, plus you've got a big North London derby. Uh, is it at Spurs or Arsenal, by the way? I believe it is at uh, I'll Arsenal. Tell you, I'll tell you right now. I'm going to look, and I'll give you the skinny right here. Uh, it is, uh, oh yeah, it's at Emirates. Plus, you know, everyone said, well, when the Spurs new stadium opens, it's going to turn around and they're going to be a, they're going to be a real force to be reckoned with at home. And none of that's happened. I just, Pochettino should have left after the Champions League. He's, it's a zero sum game. He's got nowhere to go. Kartik, let's look and see what happens next week. But meanwhile, let's talk about Watford. I'm going to give you one name about why Watford are dead bottom of the table. Troy Deeney, he's injured. He is the talisman of that team. He is the captain of that team. There's so much of that team that runs around this old uh, veteran player. And without him, I think you're seeing that they're on the pitch. They're really kind of just floundering around. 
He really is Watford Football Club, Troy Deeney. I remember when there was a special uh, that Gary Lineker did, Gary Lineker's uh, documentary company, Goalhanger, I think it's called, a few years ago. And they, they said, describe Watford Football Club in one word. And they were asking fans, oh, th- family, fun, blah, blah, blah. Ask Troy Deeney, he said, home. Yeah, that's how much that club means to him, and he means to that club. Yeah, they they don't have uh, another attacking player uh, like him, and they don't have a guy that 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 leads that team from within. You know, very not very often you have your attacking player and leading goal scorer as your captain, but there's a reason why he's Watford's captain and senior player. Yeah, uh, and, and he's that important to that club. So so I agree on that, and I think uh, uh, Javi Gracia is in a little bit of trouble. Uh, they're going to need to get a result this week. Yeah, and who do they have this week? They they don't have an easy match, I don't think, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Who do Watford have up next? Uh, they have uh, oh well, they have Newcastle. Uh, yeah, yeah, at St James's Park. So that's not really going to be uh, that a, a very easy match, particularly Newcastle coming off their first win of the season and little little momentum now maybe for Steve Bruce and the uh, and the lads, so to speak. Uh, it's going to be more trouble at Watford and still no Troy Deeney. No. And uh, they've got they've got to get through Coventry first in the uh, in the League Cup to get to that, and that would be a way that would be something which would get Gracia the sack is if they were eliminated in the League Cup at this stage. Uh, you know, no one re- really wants to win the League Cup or, or whatever kind of Carlin Cup. I'm calling it the Carlin Cup. That was like 20 years ago. What is it now? Carabao Cup. Carabao no one Cup. really cares about that cup unless you lose to to a lower league side. Then you risk the sack. Yeah, it's uh, a no-win situation, right? The Premier League season well. And if you win it, ah, oh, you just won the League Cup. But if you get knocked out by a lower team, it's like, oh well, you suck. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's right, exactly. It's one of these sort of it's one of these trophies that is silverware, but it's certainly a, a little tainted. Although I, you know, I hate to say that because it's a venerable old piece of silverware. Um, all right, well we're gonna have to go to break here in a minute. We didn't really have a chance to talk about Everton. Uh, Kartik, but uh, that's another club uh, with a lot of problems right now. Uh, yep. Draw with Crystal Palace. They did beat Watford 1-0. And then to lose 2-0, ooh, away at Villa Park. I mean, I mean, it's Aston Villa. I know they got a lot of signings, but you know, one would have expected more. Everton, we expected great things from them this season. We said they would be top four contenders, possibly, or could be fighting for, for it. I don't see it. All right, we're going to have to go to break. We're going to do that. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Have a last. I'll give Kartik and have his last thought about Everton. uh, And then we will be back on the air with you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, we'll be right back after this. All right, you're clear. Welcome back. History Soccer, just a couple of minutes left. We were talking briefly about Everton before the break. We really didn't get into it in the detail I wanted. Uh, but Kartik, very quickly, a couple of minutes, what do you think the situation is at Everton? I think they've signed a lot of guys under different managers who had different styles of play. So Ronald Koeman had a very Barcelona-esque style of play, signed attacking players uh, to play in that style, like Gilfie Sigurdsson. Then you had Sam Allardyce, who wanted to play ver- much more defensively, uh, play with a target striker, signed Sanctosin as his number nine. Then you get Marco Silva, who wants to play more free-flowing uh, uh, f- football through, through wide areas, so he's signing guys like Richarlson and Alex Awobi. It's just a, like a stew. It's like a stew of all kinds of you know, decent 
food, but it, it doesn't really mesh well together. They don't go together. And uh, they've spent an awful lot of money, and, and I, I'd be worried if I'm Marco Silva about my job if things don't turn around soon. Well, uh, they have Wolverhampton Wanderers up next, and that's another club that's uh, been, shall we say, disappointing. Remember, yes. Wolves, uh, Crystal Palace, uh, Everton, these were teams that were sort of the best of the rest last season. Yeah, and, and I think Wolves w- Wolves have Europe on their mind also, keep in yeah, mind. Yeah, they do. So this is a very big match for Wolves. They've had three draws in a row. They need to get three points. Everton also need to get three points, particularly uh, coming off their result. Uh, a loss against Aston Villa. Well, look, we're going to talk more about this tomorrow. We're back on the air at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We do hope you'll join us and make us a regular part of your week. Uh, we are available uh, on iTunes, iHeart, TuneIn, SiriusXM app. Of course, uh, b- by the way, if you missed any part of the show, it'll be available within a few minutes after the end of the show on the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. You can also find it on Twitter. We'll post there at Fifth Street Soccer, uh, Fifth Street Sports, excuse me. Of course, we'll be back on the air on Sirius XM and Sports Byline uh, tomorrow. Uh, we hope you'll join us then. Until then, have a great night. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.